Greg and Dax love football. We know you do too. So grab a cold one and listen. Escape with us for a few. And welcome to the Greg and Dax Fancy Podcast. This is episode eight. Not to be confused with episode seven, which I'll probably be publishing at the same time as episode eight. Uh, it's it's okay. been a little. I was on a long. I was on vacation. I was on there vacation. Sorry, I was in Croatia. I was, you know, at the steps watching a Game of Thrones, taking a Game of Thrones tour uh, on a boat. It was. Did great. you actually go on one of those? No, no, I didn't. Um, I I basically walked around where a lot of the stuff was filmed, though. Um, yeah. It was. I mean, if you watch Game of Thrones, you're like, oh, okay, clearly this is, you know, these are the big steps, and this is where Cersei walked and was like, quote unquote, shamed or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, so yeah. So I, I'm also not the, like I like Game of Thrones, but I'm not. I got into it really late, so I'm not the Game of Thrones fan that other people are yeah. uh, that are in the ether. Like I was someone who thought I was like, oh, the last season wasn't that bad. At least the first three episodes I thought was pretty good. Everyone's like, oh, that's. I don't care what you say, it still sucks. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well. Yeah, there's yeah. no pleasing I'm, you're one of those people there's no you're not you're not happy you're not a happy person yeah I, i'm kind of with you there on it where it's like it's an entertaining show it's like a fun you know hour or, or couple hours if you're binging it but it's it's not the end all be all it's it's not the wire it's not sopranos like let's calm down everybody mm. but sounds like a good yeah. trip though yeah and your your thumbs up on croatia you would definitely 100 yeah 100 like i tell everyone uh, i just told you uh, like if you're planning to go to greece skip it and go to Croatia instead. Like don't yeah. waste your time. Going. No, no. I mean, no disrespect to Greece or people from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> just shitting I, on their countries. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I just, I just think the bang for your buck is better. And it's like, I didn't feel like there were, I didn't feel like a tourist trap despite being one, you know, like yeah, clearly yeah. like a lot of the stuff was uh, super touristy, but it didn't feel that way. Um, and like, Oh my God, it was incredibly clean. Like everywhere you went was just, bizarrely clean yeah. um so yeah awesome. i was a big 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 fan yeah yeah but what, what about you what were you doing oh man uh well maybe not the same trip you had um so this past weekend it was my uh, younger brother's bachelor party and so my younger brother t- 26 um going to this bachelor party i was uh best man so i had the great task with uh planning it out and getting everyone on board and uh you know, as you do, as, as you uh, kind of plan these bachelor parties, you, you chat with the groom and say, you know, what what's the, the vibe you want? You know, what do you want this day to be like? And my brother's instructions to me were, I just want to get fucked up. And I was <laughs> like, oh, all right, all right. Oh, um, sweet Brad. So, yeah, so we're doing this. We're doing this. And uh, in, in, to my brother's credit, he it's not hard to do. Uh, it's about two beers and he gets to that uh, effed up level. And so uh, it was a mission I could absolutely accomplish for him. And so that was going on this past weekend, but it all started out uh, probably a different experience at the airport than you had flying to Croatia and all your platinum Amex lounges and stuff like that. No, I'm not a pauper. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm not a goddamn plebeian. You get carried into the airport by four men (laughs) in a chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are palms. Women are waving at me as I walk to the airport. There's a red car. No, I don't like fly first class or anything. I'm not insane. I don't pay those prices. I'm not made of money. But yeah, like for $180 to get clear and then $80 for TSA pre-check, that like Amex pays for it if you get the plan. Yeah, yeah. Pays for itself. Literally, it's five fifty a year. That together is two sixty. Covers it immediately. Like yeah, it yeah. covers half of it. Like and all the other perks and points back. People are people are silly right now. People are silly if you're not taking advantage of that. Yeah. No, I I don't blame you. But um, what what you should not take advantage of 
is uh, in-flight Wi-Fi, specifically when I'm sitting next to this uh, 65-year-old man on my flight to Detroit this past weekend, and the whole flight on the in-flight Wi-Fi, this this man is looking for love, and he's uh, looking in all the wrong places. Going to pay say. for it? <laughs> he, he was on uh, the two key websites. There were several others involved, but one website was EastAsiaDate.com. And the other website was AnastasiaDate.com. Um, not yet sponsors of the pod, but we'll we'll work on it. Um, I would this take poor, it. I would, sex, I mean, sex work is work, Greg. Hey, we don't know. These are young ladies looking for a future. And uh, the, the guy next to me on this flight, you know, Mr. 65-year-old man, was very keen on giving them a, a life full of love and happiness. And he probably scrolled through probably close to 100 profiles over the course of this flight. And... I didn't have the heart to like just tap him on the shoulder and say like, Hey, one, cut it out. This is creepy. I don't want to be here <laughs> next to you Two, None of these profiles are real women. Um, and they're all like glamor shots. They're women in lingerie and they're I'm 39 year old Olga. And it's like, no way are you 39 in that picture or that picture is just some model. And it was, um, it, it was happening next to me this entire flight. And, uh, I hope, I hope he, you know, finds love and wish him the best. Uh, I just did not want to be involved in that at all. And so well, that kind of set the tone for the weekend. And then the rest of the weekend, it, it was a bachelor party. So it was an absolute wash. Um, you know, we, we, <laughs> that's a, that's a bold statement to say that set the tone for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. know if you, I don't know if you know what that means unless yeah, yeah. you have, we're dealing with some Russian bride. Well, it was, it was a weekend of debauchery. Let's, let's just leave it at that. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, the, the groom, you know, Brad, as we mentioned, uh, he had the goal. Uh, I think the goal was accomplished. Um, I think good. everyone else that attended had a good time and, uh, you know, like good gentlemen, we'll leave it at that. Yep. All right. All right. He, uh, very good then. Very good. Um, let's then, uh, it sounds like we don't want to go further with that. I think we've, you know, <laughs> we, we've talked enough about, you know, we'll, Olga, we'll leave it at the Russian uh, and, pride and, and not get into, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the bachelor yeah. party activities. But, uh, let's, you know, and, and, you know, and I won't shit on Greece any further. So let's talk <laughs> about, let's talk about things that matter and what, you know, hopefully our listeners are really tuned in for, uh, not the banter, perhaps the banter, but most importantly, yeah. The NFL season is upon us. Uh, we are very close Just to about there, off. right? A couple of days now. It's uh, what what day is it? today? Is September third. Yeah, September third, yep. and so that just means in what is it? Five days, six days, we'll have football on TV. Thank God, big deal, man, big deal. Long. So, have, have you been drafting at all? Have you had any redrafts kind of kick off yet, or you got a couple coming up this weekend? Where are you at? Well, so, well, you and I are in one league and then I had another league that I thought I've been counting on that was going to go, but ended up getting canceled because like, I don't know, half the league didn't like re up and, uh, I was counting on it. So now I'm, you know, down to four, like, like two, four leagues that, you know, three of which are keeper. One is a redraft. Um, and then of course I'll partake in, in daily fantasy. I feel like I need to now get on underdog shout out underdog sponsor us. There you go. Love you. (laughs) Give Uh, us some of that good cash. Give us that monies, all the monies. And uh, yeah, no, we, um, I'm a little bummed out about that. So yeah, no, I'm kind of in scramble mode. I'm like, I can't be a fancy football podcast or not be in that. <laughs> I need to be in like a disorder, like a, an inordinate amount of leagues. Like people need yeah. to think I'm rain man or something. You need to not be able to manage it. And I, no. I think I'm, I'm about there with my threshold. So I've, I had 
kind of one league draft a couple of days ago. I've got another kind of league that I'm invested in coming up on Sunday with, with its draft. And, uh, and this is the fun time of year. You know, this is when uh, we spend months talking about what we're going to do. And then it's draft day and your team gets called up and there's 30 seconds on the clock and you absolutely shit the bed and yep. you end up drafting Julio Jones or someone like that. Um, which is exactly pretty much how my draft went. Um, <laughs> I think uh, you and I, we were we were going through it. I was kind of texting you live. It was happening. Kind of had a game plan going in of what I was going to do. I thought for sure, just based on how the rankings played out, that that game plan would be able to to be there for me. Um, and it was a absolute tilt fest of a draft because every single pick I was getting sniped left and right on. And I uh, I'm looking at my team that you know, I'm on the other end of it. And I'm, I'm not thrilled with uh, the, the folks I've got. <laughs> I won't lie. I remember, I remember like you paying me there. I liked how you, you, you I, I didn't like how you started. I loved how you ended. I think that you were the way you ended your draft, like probably like from round, like, I don't know, three on like the first two picks. I was like, no, like, but those, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think from round three on, you had like some, I mean, not every pick, but I think yeah. you had a really good draft otherwise. Yeah. And I think it, you know, that, that's key in drafting, right? It is it, the first couple of rounds are going to be pretty chalky, right? There, there's certain value that's prescribed to those kind of high value players, but then you really start to separate yourself on either finding those diamonds in the rough, those people that, you know, the, the market has written off and finding the value there and adding them to the bottom of your bench and then also being able to have expand expendable players where if they don't reveal themselves to be studs in the first week or two, put them in the rocket ship, blast them off your team and, and get someone off of waivers that, that shows. Cause that that's the biggest advice I can give, especially in a redraft league where um, it tends to be a pretty small bench with, you know, quite a big uh, pool of available players. Don't be afraid to, to, adjust to the new normal if the first two weeks of, of fantasy football happen and like i don't know Derek carr is bawling out of his mind jump on the raiders man like you know that's the new reality or i don't know i'm just scrolling through the free agent pool uh tim patrick a denver wide receiver he shows up and he scores you know maybe a touchdown each game five or six catches in each game jump on tim patrick you have to be able to to really kind of buy in to what the nfl is revealing to you as the new normal well, that's interesting, and that's that that's a interesting point that we should talk about, and um, or at least just touch on. You mm-hmm. need garbage roster spots. It's <laughs> right. You need to draft players where you're like, these guys don't hit early. I'm gonna. I, I need to move on fast. Like, yeah. I think a perfect example is uh, who's it? like a Jake Funk. I think if you see week one, Jake Funk gets five carries, dump him. Like if that's all he's getting, if that's the only work he's getting, dump him. You don't need him. I, I um, could tell you right now to dump Jank Funk. You don't need to well, see him no, get five I mean, carries to dump Jank Funk. <laughs> in some deeper leagues, yeah. he I mean, he's a viable person to have on your roster. Uh, yeah. Because, like, who knows what Sonny Michelle has left. And Darrell Henderson, you know, he, he hasn't, he really hasn't popped off. I actually got into an argument with someone in another league about Darrell Henderson and how I'm, like, even before the trade, I was down on him knowing that it was on the table and there were rumors yeah. for a long time about that trade for Sony Michelle going to the Rams. I was like Darrell Henderson, his rookie year, he was barely used. He did nothing. The next year they drafted a guy basically to replace him. 
they did it. They traded again. They brought in someone else to replace him now. But even before that, even the the, the McVay chatter coming out of the Rams camp was, you know, he's doing some things. We're going to make it, you know, we're going to see what Xavier Jones can do. We're going to see what yeah. Jake Funk can do. It was non-committal. Everything points to hating Darrell Henderson and not wanting him to be the guy. Uh, maybe. I, I think honestly the biggest gripe the Rams have and they've been pretty vocal about it is uh, the availability of Darrell Henderson you know he, he's already nicked up in camp he's he's been hurt both years he's been in the league and the Rams have been very clear that was part of the reasoning they had behind jettisoning Gurley a few years ago is if you're not available I mean we, we don't want to we don't want to worry about you you know we we need to have players that we can count on being ready on Sunday and Darrell Henderson has not been that so far for them and I think that's more what's driving them you know trading for Sony Michelle driving some of this Jake Funk hype is just the anticipation that Darrell Henderson is going to get hurt and he's not gonna be able to play. And, um, and we'll see. I, I think I, I'm not ready to write him off. I, I think he's, he's an interesting player. Certainly. I think that offense is ripe with potential for a running back to just step in and, and really put up some monster numbers. Um, but I mean, what do you think on Sony? I, I'm, I haven't been on Sony Michelle at all uh, before the trade after the trade. I'm still hesitant. I think he's, He's risen more than I would want to give a, a player that's going to have 10 days in a system before I, I need to start in week one in a fantasy draft. So I, I'm probably not going to have any Sony Michelle, but I don't know. How are you feeling on him? I won't reach on Sony Michelle, but I will have Sony Michelle, um, depending on where he falls. So I has he's unfortunately he's like, you know, blistered up uh rankings right now i think he's right. going as like an rb2 let's see where is he ranked let's open it up Darrell henderson's 24 sony michelle where's sony oh i'm sure he's ahead of him he's 43 rb43 and oh. in, in okay. what i just pulled up uh i'm okay with that i, I actually like that rb so that has him right around tony pollard naheem hines latavius murray jamal williams that's kind of the the bucket he's in I would take him over uh, everyone but Tony Pollard in that, uh, probably, just because I think that his ceiling is higher than those guys. Um, in this, and especially off the start. Like, we're yeah. going to see Sony. And, and last year, apparently, um, I forget what it was, but some of the analytics guys had dropped some stat around how, what was it? How, like, how many yards created per touch or something? Like, he was incredibly efficient. I forget what it was. Yeah, it was, it was it was around those lines. I'm I'm not going to na- know off the, off my head, but it, it was absolutely a stat around you know it, how many yards can he create on his own without having to rely on his blocking, and it was uh, he was on the high end of that, meaning yeah. that he was most likely behind not great offensive line making a lot which out is, of nothing, which is um, weird because the Pats are known to have a good offensive line. Yeah, it, it well they or at least they, last year they lost Thune, but yeah. It, it, it'll be interesting to see where kind of Sony ends at the end of the year, right? Like if he can really uh, kind of work his way in his backfield, set himself up as that RB one B or or one A, whatever it is to Daryl Henderson. It, it's really interesting. It, it, it's again, it's something I haven't been on in any of my drafts. Maybe, you know, maybe that's not good for me. Um, maybe I'm going to miss out on there. Um, but I, I mean, I've seen the show before with Sony Michelle, and and you know, I, I only need to see so many three yard carries into the back of his lineman before I can be like, uh, I don't know, not for me. It's funny, I like the Rams. Just you think about how they structure their team. They they're in win now. They acknowledge they're in win now, yeah. um, and it's impossible to not be win now because they don't have a first round pick for like the next 
fucking decade. Um, I, I admire it, man. Like they keep on going that route of like, Hey, your bird in the hands better than two in the bush. And, and they're spending those picks on proven assets. And I appreciate that. I also think it's fucking crazy. Um, because, <laughs> because like, I like Matt Stafford. Like, I mean, I'm a bears fan, but I could say that because he's a good quarterback. He's a quality quarterback. Right. And that defense was really good last year, but I don't think that that offensive line and that running game is good enough to carry them to a, you know a deep playoff run. But they also have to play with the Seahawks. The 49ers are going to be much better than last year. You can't write the 49ers off. Uh, they're finally healthy. You have the Seahawks. You have the Cardinals. They have you know a quality yeah. team in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know the only thing against them is their head coach. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you know, so there's some, there's some things, there's some cause for concern. I understand why they did it. They're like, why the fuck wouldn't we <laughs> were super close to, you know, we were super close to winning a, a championship. It was a good effort, like in a lot of ways, that's sort of jerk, but uh, yeah, I understand it. Yeah. I mean, they play the NFC North this year, right? So, so that the Rams are going against your bears week one, they're going against my lions. They're going against the Packers. Like they, they've got a, a pretty friendly schedule. Um, and we'll see where it shakes out. I, I'm I'm in on the Rams. I have a couple of teams that have kind of Ram stacks with Bobby Woods and Cooper Cup and Stafford and and everyone else. And we'll see if again if I'm a, a fool on that. But I, I I'm a believer in McVay. I like his system. I don't want I don't want this to come off the wrong way as though I dislike them because I don't. Yeah. Uh, but I don't trust their offensive line. I don't trust their running game. Like even with Sony Michelle, I think it's garbage. And uh, you know they're going to be bottom feeders there now granted can you win the nfl without an offensive line sure like it it happened i just don't think that they will uh because they yeah. do have you know yes they have some cupcakes like my bears they're going to steamroll them they're going to steamroll your lions but still <laughs> it's a hard-ass division so yeah uh, now we'll, we'll see how it all all shakes out exactly and and like so when i'm looking at those drafts like Sony Michelle is someone I'm I'm not getting. Um, but one thing I, I kind of thought of as I was going into it is, you know, I'm curious to see how, how your approach is to drafting. My my approach lately has been to go pretty heavy on running back up front and, and maybe go running back, running back, or even three running backs. Cause I think the cliff for running back is not that it's an early cliff, it's just that teams are going so heavy early on in running backs, is that cliff hits you by the end of the fourth round there's not many running backs I, I really want to rely on. And so I've fallen into a trap where I'm, I'm getting running back early. And, and what then happens is I'm stuck with kind of those onesie positions. So, so I consider a onesie position is, is in most leagues where you're only starting one player. So like a quarterback or a tight end, those, those onesie positions, I'm generally getting really late in drafts and, and kind of not investing a whole lot of draft capital, a whole lot of early picks in those positions. Um, is, is that the approach you've had this year? Are you taking more early onesies? I know we talked about TJ Hawkinson and, and DJ Waller and all the, everything there, but what do you find you're actually doing in these drafts? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the same thing, right? I'm trying to hammer running back if there's value that I like there. Yeah. So it depends, like in round two, if I can go, you know, Eckler Nashi or you know Eckler Mixin, um, I'm or Eckler Ch. I'm good with that, and I'll start my drafts yeah. with that. Um, you know, but that being said, 
depending on where I'm drafting in the value, if I'm drafting, typically if I find myself in those first three picks, I actually find myself going, you know, with running back, wide receiver, running back. Um, that's interesting. That's what I'm getting found. like a Justin Jefferson or, or what kind of wide receiver. Are yeah, you exactly. Like getting like DK Metcalf and starting like, you know, if I'm stack, if I have Zeke and DK Metcalf and then, you know, coming back around in the third for a running back, uh, I'm okay with that. Like I mean, there are some, some running backs that I've found like falling around there that I'm okay with taking. Um, but that's if I'm drafting early, if I'm drafting in the back, yeah, I'm hammering running back. If I'm drafting from like, eight through 12 it's running back running back third round if waller's there i'll take waller if he's not because that's the other thing like it is thin at tight end like talking about these onesie positions quarterback deep as ever always will be uh but oh my god like i'll start jalen hurts all day i'd love to start jalen the Minshew does nothing i don't give a shit about gardner Minshew. like i mean outside of like you know cheering for him because the dude has an incredible mustache (laughs) and you know bro bro, literally broke his own hands so he can keep playing football like uh you know that story is incredible but like no i i think the running back running back is the right start third round darren waller is typically where i'm targeting him some like if I'm afraid I won't get him, it's like I've I've been finding myself honestly reach in the fourth for Hawkinson because after Hawkinson, wow. um, it, like on that back end of the fourth, I, I'll reach for Hawkinson, um, because I know it's a reach, but in a PPR or half PPR league, I think he's locked and loaded top three tight end in a in a half yeah. in a standard. I wouldn't say that. I I really won't say that in a standard. I think because I don't think there will be enough touchdown opportunities. But I really think that that guy is going to end up with like 90 receptions this year, like 80, 80 to 90 receptions, just because of how bad they are, their defense is going to be, how often they'll right. play behind and really how few weapons they have. Um, it's, I think it's going to be TJ Hawkins and they have a great offensive line. So I really don't think they're going to rely on TJ Hawkins in the, to be a blocker. So why wouldn't he go yeah. out and run passes? I, I mean, I, We've talked about TJ, and I, I probably agree with you. I, I think he could absolutely do that. And there's a couple of things I want to touch on that have just kind of boiled up across the industry. And I'll try and give credit where I, where it's due. But but one thing that um, our boy Evan Silva has said, and, and I kind of really have bought into, especially for this year, is that when it comes to you know planning for a draft, really focus on your top 24. You know, rank those first two rounds. And then let those first two rounds dictate how your draft goes. So if you're based on that top 24 and you get running back, running back, or you get a Justin Jefferson who fell a little bit and you pick them up, have that inform how you're going to approach the rest of your draft. And then am I going to just hammer wide receiver? Am I going to be able to afford someone like a Waller and take him in the third round because I've got really good running back depth or whatever it is. And I really like that approach to drafting and treat each draft kind of in a capsule and, and you have your, your players that you're eyeing later on, but really kind of have those first two picks kind of dictate the flow of things. I, I so think that, I, yeah, I think that's a good strategy. And like Evan Silva, you know, pre- premier mind in this industry. So I totally get it. And I think that's fair. Um, yeah. I, I really though, tight end sucks this year in my opinion. I think <laughs> especially with Troutman getting hurt and Cole Komet not having clear line to playing, uh, and he's also still young and for whatever reason, the bears are stupid and want to play Jimmy Graham. So there yeah. there's that. Um, but you know, I was counting on 
Troutman. So being where's the it. where's the cliff for tight end for you? Where um, where's kind of that? If you look at tight end right now, yeah. What's the tight end where like if you don't get one by him, good good luck. Uh, Kyle Pitts, like as as five. So that's and even that's like tight end five. Wow. Yeah, and I think it's a huge cliff. And and even then, I might I honestly still believe Kyle Pitts doesn't. I'm not, I'm concerned if I'm getting Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts to me is I'm swinging for the fences and hoping he becomes, you know, everything I thought he would be, you know, day one, like someone, I forget who it was. I think it was Adam, but I don't want to, I don't want to send the wrong credit here, but someone was like, don't compare, you know, if you want to compare him to all the first round, compare him to every tight end taken within the top five. And I was like, well, TJ Hockham has taken three picks after him. Like, right. is that like you're you're fucking splitting hairs like that's bullshit that is a terrible way to look, view it view it uh and, it, and it, it's probably a disservice to compare him to tight ends honestly i mean like i'm sure you've seen that that clip of him in in the third preseason game where he catches like a a pass in the flats and turns it up for a 35 yard gain just because he's running past everybody you know like kyle pitts is a he could be a unicorn man i know you don't want to say that i'll say that no, well, I mean, I put him, I put him in my tier, in my drop off. Like I said, listen, we we're on the yeah. same page. Kyle Pitts is an absolute monster. We've hammered this. Point is, I we don't know that. Like we don't know where they're going to line him up. We don't know yeah. what they're going to do with him. We're trusting an offense, you know, to to use him the right way. That we don't know how they're going to use him, and we're trusting that he'll get enough go. We're trusting that he is not going to be. And the price is already there. And the price, exactly, you're already paying it. So like, yeah. the risk for me outweighs. Like right, like you're trying to mitigate risk. There is risk caked in with him. If we're talking like a rookie startup or a dynasty startup, fuck yeah, go for him. Wait on him. He he will be a star. It's just he's not. I don't think he does it this year. Is all and and if I'm in a redraft league, I'm trying to fucking win this year, obviously. So my top, like honestly, my my cliff is him, and that's only because I'm swinging for the fences. So I guess a, a question, real quick, on Pitts, right? So week one comes, and say he gets ten targets, eight catches, eighty yards, and a touchdown. What what do you do with that? Do you say? Kyle Pitts is real and and try to jump on Kyle Pitts and give up someone like a Waller for Kyle Pitts, give up a Hawkinson for Kyle Pitts. If you can, I don't know if anyone would do those deals. Maybe you have to give up a running back or something like that. Or do you see that and be like, ah, I need to see it again. I need to see consistency there. I'm not ready to believe. I mean, wh- at what point does seeing become believing for you with Kyle Pitts? Do you know yet? The first six weeks of the season, you'll know what he's with, how they're scheming him how consistently they're they're getting him the ball. I think like even less, I'd say probably first four weeks, you're going to be able to tell immediately if he is schemed into this where he they, they're like every week you're going to get seven to 10 targets and you're a wide receiver. And if he's lining up at wide receiver, then you're like, okay, he's not a fucking tight end. He's just a wide receiver, which yeah. is great. And he's the number two there. And Julio eight, Calvin eight, why can't he? In which case, yeah, sure, I'm on board. My problem is I don't necessarily know what yeah. it, his play is going to look like even this preseason there are in- indications but again i'm trying to mitigate risk and it's there is huge risk with him yeah i think uh i'm probably more apt to whatever to, to say i love you on the first date with kyle pitts right like if he comes out week one and just looks like looks like he's a different animal than than the nfl players that are around him and he's scoring touchdowns he's he's taking care he's taking a two yard pass and turning it into a 15 yard pass. Like uh, my eyes are going to get pretty big and I'm going to send some pretty bold offers. I think after Kyle Pitts again in redraft, I think in, in dynasty, 
you're not touching Kyle Pitts for probably two more years. <laughs> I think people are pretty bought in. Um, but it'll be interesting. It's yeah, just you yeah. can't afford him now. You know, it's like it's it, that's the thing is you, you're paying a market price and then some. Why? Like, why am I paying above market price when I could get again? I can get TJ Hawkinson for yeah. pennies on the dollar. Like the perception is because that offense is bad that it, it's just really na- like it's finally catching on that he's outside of like inner nerd fantasy circles that he's going to be feasting. Yeah. There, there was an interesting stat specific to Hawkinson that got me not, not fading him, but, but definitely second guessing my thinking that he could be like a, a top three tight end. And, and it was around the correlation between the performance of a quarterback and the success of a tight end. And it was something that uh, JJ Zacharyson did uh, late round quarterback, uh, through a uh, number fire um, put out some research here and I'm not going to quote it identi- uh, exactly. Um, you can go read that article if you want to, but it was, there's a strong correlation that if a quarterback is a QB one, meaning they're a top 12 quarterback, it's much more likely that they'll have a top five tight end associated with them. And it's very, very rare. I think it's only happened a handful of times where there was a top five tight end tied to a quarterback that was not in the top 12 of fantasy rankings. And so when I look at TJ Hawkinson and I look at who's going to be throwing him the ball, Jared Goff is not going to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback this year. And so I, I that that has gotten no. me to cool it a bit on my TJ Hawkinson love just because I think just naturally his ceiling is going to be diminished. Though I totally could understand the argument of saying, hey, this is name a wide receiver on the lions or name two wide receivers in the lions. You probably can't, right? Like, so I could see TJ Hawkinson just getting the volume game and carrying his team that way. But I, I do think there's just a ceiling that's going to be there because of how bad the lions are going to be. That's going to prevent Hawkinson from doing anything super uh, exciting. Yeah, I, I agree on the, in this, in that sense. And that's why I said in standard, uh, I don't think I'm, you know, zoning in on him because I don't think he's going to score enough touchdowns. Yeah. Um, but but that being said, um, Derek Carr's not a top twelve quarterback. He's not a QB one, but everyone still likes Darren Waller. Yeah. So you know, that's it, it's it's it, it the, like the way these guys in offenses where there aren't other options, where you know the the then the tight end, especially a dynamic athlete like T.J. Hawkinson, is a fantastic athlete. He is an amazing athlete. He's not, you know, he's not your inline blocker. So, and he has good hands and he's had games where he's blown up and shit on teams. So, you know, there are instances of this and typically year three breakouts occur for tight ends. Um, So all I'm saying is like, you know, yeah, that's fine, but we already have plenty of examples where, you know, we bucked that trend too. Like where uh, I I think that's a great point you you, you made with Derek Carr right like it, absolutely that that is what an offense looks like where the tight end is your primary threat and I think we can all anticipate that that is what the Lions offense will be this year with T J Hawkinson you know carrying the flag for you know, just just as a skill player um it, uh, maybe additionally on tight end so so for me you you know you said your cliff is probably Kyle Pitts I kind of extend it down to Logan Thomas and then anyone after Logan Thomas. So he's like tight end seven right now. It isn't really interesting to me, but I think that brings up a good point is, you know, if you're drafting, if you're truly taking a, a streaming approach to quarterback and tight end, these onesie positions, you're not taking a top seven tight end. And so 
I guess the question is, who, who do you look at late as a tight end and maybe we'll talk about as quarterback that you could see be a, a big riser in that? Um, and, and I'll say late, maybe we'll define it as outside of the top 12. So not currently drafted as a starting tight end or a starting quarterback that you think could easily get in there. Um, well, I think oh, you go first. I think that's an yeah. easy one to start. Yeah, I think it's an easy one to start for me. And that's Jonu Smith. Wow, interesting. Um, I think that. I think the uh, and right now, especially with Hunter Henry uh, dealing with an injury, um, I think that at least to start, he's someone who, again, if I'm streaming someone and Hunter Henry's banged up or he's not seeing the field as much, he hasn't been had a chance to you know run with the ones, get his legs under him. I think Jonah Smith's going to see a lot of play um, and uh, and very early, and I think they're going to use him in interesting ways. So you know, and especially with Matt Jones there now. I think that that offense, that passing offense is going to be more efficient. Uh, and, you know, it's not going to rely, obviously, the way Newton would on his legs to pick up, to, to move the chains. Yeah. So I think there's more opportunity there for the receiving core. So he's one. And then two, I'd probably say I'm looking for opportunity. The clearest opportunity that just opened up is, in fact, in the Vikings uh, with Tyler Conklin. Now, I don't love Tyler Conklin. But I, he's someone who's free. He he's he's already hurt. I I'm not touching that. He's already Tyler hurt Conklin's too. already hurt. Oh, I just learned this. I did not know. Yeah, yeah. It, it it could be interesting. We talked in one of the earlier pods. We talked about Conklin as a potential interesting one. But um, yeah, he he's banged up. They they traded for or traded or or got off waivers. Chris Herndon. Um, I'm just Ugh. not touching the Vikings. Uh, you know, I, well, I think that's fair. I think the other one is, I didn't know that. So I take that back, but, uh, I'm going to go <laughs> Juwan, Juwan Johnson. There we and, go. That's a deep name. Yeah. Juwan Johnson. And again, Troutman's hurt, uh, and it clears the pathway and that system does pass to tight ends. Like you, it, it literally revitalized Jared Cook's career. Uh, you know, so yeah. it, trusting and tr- trusting Sean Payton here, I think that starting Jameis Winston will be good for the fantasy assets. I, hey, I'm a guy who has been sitting on Marquez Callaway since last year in our league. So, you know, I am all aboard the, the Sean Payton train, but I think Jameis Winston's good for yeah. him. So I'll say Jawan Johnson and Jonu Smith are like the deep guys who I'd take a dart throw on, you know, in my, one of my last two rounds, if I punted, but I'm not punting just for the record. I'm literally not punting tight end. Any of my drafts I'm, I'm reaching on Hawkinson, or I'm just hoping he falls, or I'm taking uh, Waller at three. It, that's literally been my only strategies. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I that that's certainly a good one. If, if you see that cliff coming, you're, you you want to be on the obviously the good side of it rather than trying to scramble with some of these names. But but a couple that I it was interesting you picked Jonu. So so I find myself more and more on the Hunter Henry side of things, and and I know he's hurt right now and he's been banged up through camp. Um, I just I think Hunter Henry's just a better receiver and a better NFL player than Jonu Smith. And and I it's gonna be one of them, right? It's gonna be Jonu, it's gonna be Hunter. It might be both, but but one of those are are gonna really, you know, be a value for a lot of teams picking them this late. Um I tend to go more towards Hunter Henry, um just because I again think he's a better player. Um, but we'll see. Uh ones that I, I keep kind of looking at here i'm not ready to give up on zach Ertz. um i think a lot of people have he's still there he's still a threat he's still gonna catch you know six seven balls a game potentially if we look at what he's done historically 
Last year, he had 72 catches or, or 72 targets. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong column. 72 targets, 36 catches. Year before that, he had 88. Year before that, he had 116. Year before that, he had 75. Year before that, he had 78. And so this was the first down year last year where he had 36. And he was hurt. He only played 11 games. And so if he comes in healthy, yeah, there's Goddard there, but he's still going to be a major piece of this offense. And that's another team where, yeah, they have Devontae Smith. Yeah, they have Jalen Rager. Maybe they have Quez Watkins. But it's not quite clear what that pecking order is going to be from a pass catcher's perspective. So I'm not totally hating Zach Ertz. So real fast, I'll let you continue. But there is a an analyst, Coop, I forget. He's on Reddit, but uh, he's all over Reddit. But he proposed something which was really interesting, and this is funny, and this is you why you and I differ, and this informed my decision on why Jonu and not Hunter. NFL rooms don't give a fuck who catches passes for fantasy football. What they care about is who's the better blocker and who is the better receiver. Yeah. That's what they do, and that's why Dallas Goddard yeah. stays in more, and that's why Zach Ertz continues to eat is because Zach Ertz is not a good blocker. So they keep they keep Dallas Goddard in because he is. And that's apparently been talked about like a number of times. They've, they've mentioned it a number of times. And you look at where they line up and apparently Zach Ertz runs more routes because of this. So it's interesting is Hunter Henry has been praised by Anthony Lynn a number of times. Uh, Hunter Henry is ranked among the best on PFF for blocking in his first few years. Obviously, you know, injuries take their toll, but when he's been healthy, he's been one of the better tight end blockers. Uh, in the past game. So it's funny. And that's why I think that's exactly why I think Jonu, who's also a freak athlete. I think Jonu is the guy to get because Hunter Henry is a better blocker and they're just going to want to use him more there. Yeah. We'll see. Right. We haven't seen it yet. I, I, that could certainly be the case. I, 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 I think Bill Belichick's got grander plans than just to have Hunter Henry as a blocker. I could be wrong, but you don't pay that kind of money for a tight end and then just, you know, turn him into an offensive tackle. Um, maybe you do. I, I mean, I'm not saying that. I just think fewer, fewer opportunities, right? Like, I think that's like, look at Goddard. It literally kills Goddard's fantasy value because Zach Ertz is there. And I think that's that, like, yeah. it hurts both of them. It doesn't. Yeah, we'll see. One. I mean, like, like I said, it's going to be one or the other, most likely with Hunter and, and Jonu. Um, it's, and I, I don't think there's a bad choice there. I think it's literally a 50, 50 shot. Close your eyes, click the button and, and you'll probably be happy with who you got. Um, the, the other maybe just two names that I look at that are in this kind of terrible, deep roster of, of tight ends, I don't hate Dawson Knox, um, the tight end for, for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen uses tight ends. I think that's going to be very high-scoring offense. I think there's a, a large opportunity for him to grab a couple easy targets. Um, and to the same extent, I, I don't hate Pat Fryermuth, um, the rookie tight end out of Penn State that's on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he, he, he showed out, I think it was week two of the preseason. He had two touchdown catches, both from Roethlisberger, um, you know, and, and that's really interesting. And he's really only used exclusively in the ends in the red zone. Um, we know who his competition is. It's your boy, Eric Ebron. Um, <laughs> your boy don't you dare call him my boy you know i've hated e- i've called him yeah. stone hands stone hands and so if you're gonna stone have stone hands on one side why not you know you know take take a chip and put it on the rookie to catch a few touchdowns and i think Fryermuth could do that too so those are are some of the kind of more late guys that you should be able to get last round last two rounds of your draft that should be for free but i think tight end especially if you don't get one of those top guys is a great example to do what you you talked about earlier, move on. 
if, if you get, I don't know, any of these guys, you get Fryermuth and he gets two targets week one with one catch. You get Hunter Henry, he gets five targets with two catches for four yards. You're off my team, dude. I'm I'm going on. I'm streaming. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to who who I can. You know that may burn you, but th- there's too many options at tight end, especially late to 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 stick with one for too long. So that that's what I would say. Um, I mean, yeah. Any other kind of real late? T- I know Donald Parham is, is is one that gets a lot of a lot of love. That's a, a good tight end name. Any others that you want to call out? I think the Donald Parham shit is XFL nonsense, baby. Honestly, like I don't. I, I think, yeah, I think that's fucking nonsense. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to, you know, say, oh, I don't want the guy to do well. Of course I do. Like anyone, the XFL, fantastic. But it's just, it's just not gonna happen for him. Like it just, it won't. The, the, the opportunity could be there, but you know, Cook is also there, and he's been in this league for a long ass time. And it's not like they need their tight end to do a lot. Yeah. They have weapons. They have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. They have Austin Eckler. Like they have a good, good solid offensive line. They they really don't need to rely on their tight end. Um, so I don't anticipate that. I think another interesting one is, uh, you know, you brought this up, and then Mike Mike Jaseki. Yeah. I want to I want to talk because you and I differ on this a bit. Like basically, long story short, the if he is. I, I think you made me realize this. He's criminally underrated for who he is, but the reason being Hunter Long was drafted, and the idea is they are not bringing him back. They are not bringing Mike Jasicki Potentially, back. unless he balls out, right? I just I just see him. And so he's going as tight end 12, so that's why I didn't talk about him. Uh, so he's going as a starting tight end. But he, if he's there and, and it, it kind of works out where you're ready to take a tight end and you've got Mike Jasicki staring in your face, I would absolutely have him over probably any other of the of the, the later tight ends. So I would I would want him over Noah Fant. I would want him over Dallas Goddard. I would want him over Robbie G. I'd want him over Tyler Higby. I'd want him over Jonah Smith. I want him over Evan Ingram. And and the reason why is is twofold. One, amazing athlete. Like amazing. Like 97th percentile athlete. Um so that checks that box. Two, I, I think we've seen in the preseason and, and by all training camp reports, Tua is taking that next step. Tua is going to be a much better quarterback this year than he was last year. Um, now that it's not a very hard thing to do, but it, <laughs> it, we're going to see that maturation from Tua. And one thing that was very clear in the preseason, and again, this is just preseason football, so it could be all a smokescreen here, but they are working the seams. They are working the middle of the field with Tua, and and that takes advantage of some of his mobility in the pocket, takes advantage of some of the left-handed kind of throwing arm uh, he has that can work that side of the field. And I just, I would not be surprised if Mike Jasicki becomes, you know, a top five, top six, top seven tight end. Um, and he's not going as that. So, so that was why I brought him up and I would love him if, if I have a team where I need a tight end and it's 10th, 11th, 12th round, he's going to be on the board still. And, and I'm, I'm smashing draft on that one. That's a fair point. And especially for a tight end 12, you're not really going to have to reach your, you're going to feel fine taking him where he goes like you're not going to feel uh, I can't believe I had to reach on my Mike Jacecki or like get caught on the end of some tight end run you're just not gonna it's just not gonna happen so I think that's that's totally fair let's talk quickly though about some changes in the NFL let's move on uh, while we have a few minutes left Mike Davis job is is it in <laughs> is it in jeopardy Wayne Gallman signed yeah. in Atlanta 
Yeah, that was the news last night, right? Is obviously we went through that first round of cuts, and and now those cut players, Wayne Gallman being one of those, cut from the 49ers, are starting to find new teams, and and as you just said, uh, happens to be on the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, and maybe I'll just speak about me personally. So so I one I have very little Mike Davis. Um, Mike Davis is is definitely an interesting player where there's a very high ceiling there, you know, like. Arthur Smith, former Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, now the head coach in Atlanta. He heavily used one running back, Derrick Henry, in Tennessee, comes to Atlanta. They really only have one running back worth anything on the roster with Mike Davis. Mike Davis last year showed that he could be an every down player, caught a lot of balls, played on a lot of third downs. And so the stars are starting to line that Mike Davis could be a bell cow that you can pick up in the fifth or sixth round. Enter Wayne Goldman. Um, and Wayne Gallman had a really good year last year. He's still young. I think he's 26. Um, and he put together a really, you know, productive year, it, albeit due to Saquon's injury, but, but still he performed the same way that Mike Davis did based on CMC's injury. Uh, for me though, the Gallman signing is, is at this point, it's a blip on the radar where if I was if I was in on Mike Davis and I wanted Mike Davis as part of my team, wanted to pick him up in the fifth or sixth round, this does not cause me a second thought to do that. Um, if anything, this might help me get him a little bit cheaper. And maybe I'm looking at the seventh round for Mike Davis. Though I, now is the potential that six weeks in, seven weeks in, eight weeks in, when Mike Davis might be gets a little dinged up, I start getting worried. Whereas before, I thought Mike Davis, you know, he could he could hit and, and get a sore hamstring, be out a week, and come back and get the same type of role. Now with Gallman there, if something happens to Mike Davis and he tweaks something or shows that he can't handle the workload that they're anticipating for him, I think you're going to start seeing that door opening a little bit wider and wider for Wayne Gallman to come through it. And, and I do think Gallman still has the skill set where given the opportunity, he'll he'll make use of it. And so that's kind of where I fall on the kind of Mike Davis, Wayne Gallman spectrum. I have Gallman on on a dynasty team, and and the 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 what I'm motivated to do right now is I sent a whole lot of Wayne Gallman offers out last night and see who's buying because I I view it as a sell high on Gallman. I I don't view him as taking a ton of work away from Mike Davis again, albeit Mike Davis staying healthy. What do you think? Well, let's let's talk about what you want for for Wayne Gallman because uh, I th- <laughs> now that I know what you're thinking. You can't screw me. Yeah, you can't you can't take advantage? Um, I'm I'm buying. I spent so there's there's a nice. Uh, I'm in one of my dynasty leagues. We reset fab, and so um, once the season starts, so you get some bidding periods. But in the preseason, a hundred bucks restarts. Get another hundred come regular season. Um, I think it's kind of asinine to do it that way. Nonetheless, it's how we do it. So, but I spent my last ninety five dollars on. Wayne Gallman because it's going to restart anyway. So who cares? It's not like I'm wait like he's going to be my last pickup anyway, but like tomorrow yeah. before the season starts. And uh, I, I think he's Mike Davis is 28 years old. He's been in the league for six years. He's been a journeyman. He hasn't found a role really until last year. I'm not buying that. Like I'm not buying that. This is Alex Collins 2.0. This is a Justin Forsett to me. Mike Davis, I I'm out. I, I also don't think the Atlanta Falcons run game was is that good. Like I don't think their offensive line is yeah. that good. I don't think Matt Ryan is that good anymore. I don't think that that team is going to be what they that offensive threat that it used to either. 
So yeah, I'm not buying Mike Davis and and because of that, I'm buying Wayne Gallman. Not that I think Wayne Gallman's good either. Uh, and I know sure as shit Cordell Patterson is not a good running back. Right. It's interesting, right? So so you're in on Gallman as as a counterpoint to Mike Davis. I, I'm kind of out on it just because I, I, I don't view Gallman as better than Davis. So I don't view Gallman as taking the job away from Davis. I think it's going to take some type of injury or some type of event to get Gallman playing time. But... I think he could certainly be more productive than Mike Davis could, especially if Atlanta has an offense that maybe isn't as cohesive as, as years past because of the departure of Julio and, and Matt Ryan's another year older. The, the thing that keeps on lighting up in my head, though, is, is, you know, look at what happened last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was a backfield that no one really wanted a piece of. Signs were telling us that this undrafted rookie free agent, someone by the names of James Robinson, is going to be the guy. And we all said, cool, like have fun with him. We don't want anything to do with that. And James Robinson was the guy and he had so much opportunity, unparalleled opportunity for undrafted free agent rookie. And I kind of kind of view a similar situation with the Atlanta Falcons where all the signs have pointed to it being Mike Davis's opportunity, all three downs, he's going to eat. And we've all kind of done our own on the couch evaluation said, well, Mike Davis isn't that good. I don't want anything to do with him. I would not be surprised if they come out week one and Mike Davis has 20 carries, you know, five catches and, and a touchdown or whatever it is, because they've been telling us as such. So we'll see. Let's talk. Who was the running back last year? <laughs> Todd Gurley. Exactly. He wasn't good and incredibly inefficient. And I don't see any reason that my 28 year old Mike Davis is probably as opposed to Todd Gurley looking out to prove something and keep his career alive. Uh, I look at them honestly like an equal footing. I kind of have the same perception of them. And maybe I'm wrong for that, but I don't like the Atlanta run game. Like it's as simple as that. It's not like, it's not even the biggest knock on Mike Davis. Like, yes, I'm saying he's 20 year old journeyman, like in comparing him to Alex Collins, but he's like that. Even the run game before him being there, wasn't that good. Well, no, in a couple of days, right? Now, that's the only answer we can really give. I just view it as, I, I, I guess, Gurley last year doesn't have any impact because it, it, look at Gurley now. He's not on an NFL team. You know, he, he, he is not an NFL athlete any longer. And also, look at the coaching staff that they had in Atlanta last year. They are no longer the coaching staff in NFL. And so I, I think Arthur Smith, what he was doing in Tennessee, that could really come together and, and be something for Mike Davis. And by extension, maybe Wayne Gallman. But but you should send me a few offers if you're interested because <laughs> I am 100% selling high right now on the news. The opportunity is there and his and the price to get him isn't bad. Like he is someone who the range of outcomes is he eats a shitload. You drafted him in the fifth round, sixth round, and you're ecstatic and he's your RB2. And I'm, I'm having my running yeah. back problem situate like in drafts. I had my running back set up before – trying to decide if I want to draft him. I'm not planning around drafting him. Yeah. And, and that's why I said heavy RB has just become my strategy because if I'm at a point where I need to rely on Mike Davis, it, thing, things went south for me somewhere else, right? Like, right. Um, right. And, and I don't want to be, you know, if you look at the running backs around Mike Davis, it's, it's not great. And, and I, I don't want to be piecing together a DeAndre Swift, Mike Davis RB room. No, that's that's a bloodbath. Um, but but speaking of bloodbath, COVID uh, is is fucking rampant. <laughs> Here we go, baby. 
No, it's uh, it, it, it's absolutely something that that you need to be doing. So definitely, you know, we we've gotten you know full approval of the Pfizer vaccine. Moderna is not going to be far behind it. So please, if if you've not chosen to get vaccinated yet, but get vaccinated, we need to get through this. We can't keep dealing with this year over year. But you know who hasn't gotten his vaccine yet? Jameson Crowder. News just came across the wire. <laughs> James and Crowder got on the COVID list. And so, you know, uh, I got to follow through with the personal brand I've established on this podcast. Elijah Moore is is set for takeoff, baby. I can't wait. He didn't play at all in the preseason. He got a little banged up in practice. That sucks. But week one, you got him at, I'm going to be there. I'm going to have number eight painted on my chest. I'm going to get arrested for trying to follow Elijah Moore home. It's it's going to be a fantastic family fun-filled event for me. Um, Jameson, I hope you, you you feel better soon, but uh, uh, thanks for getting out of the way. We talk about... We, we talk about the same fucking TJ guys Hawkinson. every time. We talk about the same fucking guys, literally. Like, oh, let's talk about TJ Hawkinson, yeah. Kyle Pitts, and Alesha Moore one more. All right, let's talk about someone we don't talk about. Let's talk about the Colts. Yeah. I got to see the Colts. I got to... Uh, to uh, as part of the, the bachelor party shenanigans, I went to a, a preseason NFL football game in person. Uh, I was vaccinated. I was very fortunate to go. And uh, got to see the Colts play my Detroit Lions. And in um, what was a pretty garbage football game, uh, I got to have a lot of fun. Uh, and that fun included uh, seeing Rodrigo Blankenship uh, be so focused on his kicking that he will not look up no matter how many compliments you give the dude, how many times you, you wish him luck, want him to go and nail the field goal. He comes right back, does the same shit. He was uh, very stoic. Darius Leonard, on the other, other hand, is uh, a great dude, uh, very uh, engaged with the fans, uh, very, uh, uh, I don't know how to, he shit talks a lot to the fans, which I appreciate because that's what I'd be doing if I was in the NFL. And uh, really fun guy. But, that's not the cold I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about who the hell is going to catch passes on the Colts. Um, and maybe we'll leave this as our last topic. And and I think it's pretty clear who it's going to be. And I think it's going to be Michael Pittman. And for whatever reason, the fantasy football community, ADP in general, is maybe not there with me. Um, Michael Pittman, it was, he was rookie last year, kind of broke out a little bit with Philip Rivers. He's going into his second year. And I just think he's going to be really... The, the main target for Carson Wentz and, and set to receive a whole host of opportunity, a whole host of work. T Y Hilton is already hurt. They don't have much else. They've got Zach Pascal. They've got a couple of tight ends like Mo Alley, Mo Alley Cox. But I think Michael Pittman is a sneaky pick. Who's currently going as wide receiver 43, um, kind of right in the Will Fuller, Corey Davis, Jalen Waddle range. Um, what are you thinking about the Colts, Dakota? I know you obviously Jonathan Taylor is your dude, but when it comes to pass catching, are you going after Michael Pittman? You going after Ty? You not touching it? Jonathan Taylor is going to get a hundred reception. No, I you know how much I love Jonathan Taylor, so I'll just plug him either way. But uh, <laughs> I yeah, I think that I think to your point, they're going to be a run first offense in, in my eyes, um, especially because the quarterback play is suspect. Yeah. Because their quarterback is constantly going out because of fucking COVID. <laughs> because he's a moron. With all the time he missed from the foot injury, the time he's going to miss because of COVID, the time that, you know, the they got rid of Ellinger. Um, so they're going to have 
uh, it's just going to be it's just going to be Wentz and Eason, and Eason has improved shit. Um, you know, so the quarterback play is going to struggle, and so I think they're going to want to keep the ball, run the clock, rely on their really good defense, rely on their great running game, rely on their great offensive line, and that's a way they're going to win. And and as long as you know they're relying on the play actions and and passing the ball yeah. league average, maybe below it, they'll be okay and happy with that. And so. I don't think all of those guys are going to eat. What I think is, especially without Philip Rivers there, I think what's going to end up happening, especially if you know you start to see those Carson Wentz struggles come back, you're going to see one guy really probably eat, and I think that will be Michael Pittman. I think it's going to be large catch radius. You don't have, you know, you can scheme up some shit for him on slants, easy yeah. in break throws for Carson Wentz, make make his life easy. That's probably what's going to happen. Like Carson Wentz has supported the Alshon Jeffries of the world. Um, and then the big tight ends like Zach Ertz has literally made a career. So I can see the, the tight end. I'm a little iffy on. I don't know if it's going to be Granson or Mo Alley Cox, but I, I, I'm happy with either one of those guys. But I really think it's going to be, I think to your point, it's going to be, it's going to be Michael Pittman. Zach Pascal's just a guy. He's good as a slot guy, but he's yeah. just a slot guy. He's just, he's a jag. Uh, yeah. Paris Campbell is interesting. I like Paris Campbell. I just, yeah, we'll see if he can play. Yeah. He's just, it's like typically these wide receivers who are always hurt. They don't show up in their third year and do well. It's, it's rare. Like even Devonte Parker's of the world who were injury plagued. He's had one good season. He's literally had one one good season. Every other season's been riddled with injuries uh, or inefficient. So, yeah. you know, it, these wide receivers, it's tough. So I'm going to say my bet is on Michael Pittman. Yeah, and I I think that's where my money is too. And, and again, you can get him wide receiver 43, wide receiver 45, wherever he shakes out. And if I can get a team's primary wide receiver target, so, so you know, you think about the receivers going that range that fit that category, it's folks like Corey Davis, who I think is underrated. It's Michael Pittman. It's uh, Tyrell Williams. It's maybe Jacoby Myers or Nelson Aguilar. They're both in that range, and one of them is going to be the wide receiver one for their team. These may not be offenses that we want to target, but at the point of the draft that you're drafting wide receiver 45, you should hopefully have your starting wide receivers on your team already. And these are good depth plays that could turn into something. And so Michael Pittman is one of the players I keep finding myself star as I go into the draft room to make sure I don't forget about as we get that late in the draft. That's a really good point. And strategy wise, something I want to hit on real fast, but I like, again, I've been talking about Mm -hmm. targeting tight end early, but when you target tight end early, you're jeopardizing somewhere else, you're losing somewhere else. And so I typically will give up on one or two of my wide receiver spots and I'll hit those guys. I will like back to back. I will go Corey Davis or I will go Michael Pittman or I will go one of these guys with a pathway to clear alpha numbers and clear alpha targets because they exist. They're there. Like I'll go Brian Edwards. I'll go Elijah Moore because there's there's a really good chance having four of those guys. One of them is going to be a wide receiver too. There's a great chance one of those guys ends up that way. Yeah, and and that's that's generally the approach I take because – at at that point, you're you're just looking for opportunity, right? You're, you're not really right. going too much on talent. Maybe you will. Maybe someone like an Elijah Moore, you know, for instance. Let's just pick a random example. Turns to be a very talented player that that you know definitely sparks something. But the majority in that range of the draft, you're just looking for guys that have a path to the field, and and there's not a much clearer path than someone who's already penciled in as the the number one wide receiver on a team. 
and maybe as a shout out, I'll say, don't forget about Marvin Jones down in Jacksonville. I think he is, uh, is being slept on right now and he still definitely has some stuff left in the tank. Well, it's uh, it's interesting. It's sad we are going to have to end uh, on a disagreement <laughs> for, for next time. It would have been interesting to get into yeah. that one, but yeah, for next time, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's nice to talk about someone else other than Elijah Moore and and uh, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, that's that's a show. That's a show, baby. Well, you can, as always, uh, interact with us. Still waiting on uh, those fan emails. Uh, our email address is gregandaxpod at gmail We've got a Twitter account. I started tweeting some of the preseason games and and got a little spicy there. So that's always fun. It's at Greg and Dax Pod. Um, I'm on Twitter at Greg Dobbs. Uh, Dax is on Twitter. Dax, what's your Twitter name? I'm I'm not, but I mean I have one, but it's mostly just to creep on people. Don't even bother following right. me. No, no, no Twitter presence for Dax. Um, but but give us a shout if you uh, if you got questions, if you have a topic that you want us to touch on, anything like that. We're always available to you guys. Have a great one. Enjoy. And uh, yeah, we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Greg and Dax love football. We know you do too. So grab a cold one and listen. Escape with us for a few. Woo!